Welcome, everyone, to the Happy Hustle Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Jack, lifestyle entrepreneur, professional model slash actor, biohacker, and eco-warrior striving to make a positive impact on this planet. My goal is to inspire, educate, and entertain you while reminding you to enjoy the journey, not just the destination, as you happy hustle for a life of passion and purpose. I am so grateful and humbled to be spending some time together today. Now, let's dive in. What is up, you happy hustlers out there? I hope you are having a glorious day thus far. I got a super special guest on this episode of the Happy Hustle Podcast, my soul sister, Natalie Hodson, who is a mom of two and an influencer who is best known for her ability to connect with women and their real-life situations. She has a wildly popular blog and social media presence that gets more than 3 million monthly unique visitors. Her greatest strength with her audiences is really her ability to just present the most understandable content with the flair of vulnerability, making her instantaneously likable to any audience. Guys, she has built a multi-million dollar empire in just three short years, writing and selling digital products, ebooks, membership sites, and courses. She's also a speaker and has spoken on stages with Brandon Bruchard, Grant Cardone, Dave Ramsey, Russell Brunson, and Dean Graziosa, just to name a few. And she also has a podcast called pulling back the curtain with Natalie Hodson. So you guys can check her out there, which is consistently ranked in the top 200 business podcast. Not to mention, she's also an avid outdoors woman and loves being, you know, in nature and has actually two state records in Idaho for her fishing skills. All right, that was quite the intro. I hope you guys are ready for this episode with Natalie. We go super deep in all things entrepreneurship, vulnerability, health, wealth, finances. She drops a ton of value bombs. So without further ado, let's dive into this episode of the Happy Hustle Podcast. Natalie Hodson, welcome to the Happy Hustle Podcast. I am so excited to connect. Oh, thank you so much, Carrie, for having me here. This is like awesome. I mean, you and I, we could talk all day long. So I'm super stoked for this podcast and for the invite to be on. Yeah, you are seriously like my soul sister. Honestly, (laughs) I look at you and I think not only a guys, is she a happy hustler, but she just exudes vibrant energy and she's an outdoors woman. She loves fishing. She's an entrepreneur. She serves millions of people all over the world with her message. Natalie, thank you so much for sharing your love and light with the world. And for those people who maybe aren't as familiar with, you know, Natalie, give us a little rundown of what you're best known for in the world. Definitely. Well, you know, I started in the fitness space and now I do more mindset and um, business coaching type stuff. But um, I would say people, the number one piece of feedback I get is people say, um, Natalie, I love how real and honest and authentic you are. And I feel like we could be friends in real life. And, you know, I always tell people I'm not that good at that many things. I know I've built, you know, big businesses and we can talk about that later, but I'm not that good at that many things. Um, My only real superpower is I'm good at connecting with people. And I think a lot of that stems from um, over the years, I've learned the hard way that uh, vulnerability is a strength. And when you can talk about things that people aren't usually talking about, it's like a magnet. People are drawn to that because all of a sudden they're like, whoa, she's saying all the things in my head that I was thinking. I'm just too embarrassed to talk about it. And then I would create products that would solve uh, a problem that they were in, mostly digital products. So eBooks, membership sites, and courses. Uh, so in a nutshell, yeah. I mean, we could go deeper on it, but in a nutshell, that's basically, uh, you know, I think a lot of people know me for being very real, honest, authentic, and then creating, you know, I have eBooks and things that solve those solutions. Yeah. And since we're on the subject, I mean, what are some of those eBooks in those categories and those problems <laughs> that you've solved with, yeah. your, with your vulnerability? So let me take a step back and kind of tell you the backstory behind yeah, the, sure. the, the main eBook I wrote. So um, I started a blog years ago after, like this was a 10 years ago, after I had my son, I gained 70 pounds and I was pregnant with him. And I was just, I started a blog just to kind of keep me 
accountable. It's like an online journal, but I was really embarrassed about it. I didn't want anybody in my real life to like know about it. And, um, I started, I like to cook. So I was taking unhealthy recipes and making them healthy and I was putting them on Pinterest, but this was like way back in the day before Pinterest was what it is now. I mean, I was taking like flip phone photos and it was really oh, you're an OG Pinterest. Yeah, though. I was original okay. gangster. And so, uh, we, um, so what, what, what happened is I started getting all this traffic to my website, like 30,000 people a month. So I was like, gosh, if I'm Whoa. getting, yeah. And I was a history major in college. I didn't, I wasn't a trained chef or anything. And um, I was just a stay-at-home mom. And I thought, well, if I'm getting all these people, I might as well try to monetize this. So I got certified. I'd been an athlete in college. So I got certified as a personal trainer and I started writing eBooks. And I was a stay-at-home mom then. I had, in the process, had another little girl. And it was working pretty good for me as a stay-at-home mom. We used the money from that. We did, we generated from that to pay off. We were $170,000 in student loan debt um, at the time. And it was going well. I was building an audience and just sharing, you know, kind of unintentionally sharing the, the the reality TV of my life, basically the behind the scenes. I would just talk about all the things. And um, then my husband at the time and I went through a divorce. It was about five years ago. And my, you know, the divorce took a little while and we, um, we had agreed to do 50-50 so there was no child support or alimony and so um, the divorce was final, and I, I vividly remember that day where I was sitting on my couch. I had rented this little townhome, and I pulled up my phone on the Wells Fargo app, and I looked at my phone, and I realized like I had no income coming in, and I had like three months of rent left in my checking account, and that was it. Mm. And you know, I had a lot of shame around how am I going to provide for these two little kids that I have, and so I knew in the past I had, you know, I had this blog for a while and I'd had things that had gone pretty viral. I had a couple of videos that had had, you know, hundred million views and things like that. And wow. Those um, are fitness videos or it was, well, so the very first one I made, um, basically it was called perfectly imperfect. And I shared oh, oh. a video of me basically, you know, dolled up like I am right now. And I said, this is how I look sometimes, but then I shared split the screen and said, but this is actually how I look the majority of the time. You know, my eyes, red <laughs> oh, my face. I flipped the camera. I said, you know, you might see this beautiful house, but if you look closely and I zoomed, I said, all my picture frames still have stock photos because I suck at decorating. Right. And then I said, you know, I've had some very professional or beautiful professional photos taken, which six pack, you know, all that. I said, mm-hmm. but I've had two 10 pound babies. So when I bend over and I zoomed in on my stomach where my skin is, you know, I'm, I'm in shape and lean, but my skin's real like wrinkly and stretched out. Mm. And I, I talked about some other things and I, and I shared some solutions on if you're struggling with, um, with self-worth, how to work through that. And it was the stretched skin part that went viral. And I was wow. so scared to share that. I mean, I remember clicking send and my hand was like this, my hand was shaking and I, and I, I couldn't look at the computer for like 30 minutes. I thought for sure I was going to come back to internet trolls. And the response is actually the opposite. I did get some mean comments, yeah, but um, overwhelmingly positive. And this was probably five years ago before. I feel like now the body positive movement, more people share that. But back yeah. then, really nobody was. And so just situations like that where I, I looked at my past and I said, well, whenever I share things that most people try to hide and posture and look perfect, mm-hmm. whenever I actually share the real part of it, it works. And so, um, I looked at my Google. So going fast forwarding back to, you know, right after the, yeah, divorce, sorry for that. Detour. I, I no, just wanted to know. I'm just trying to explain, <laughs> you know, and, um, I looked at my Google analytics on my blog and I like to make a lot of data driven decisions inside my business. And I was surprised to see that my number one and my number two blog posts were, were these two weird words. One thing was called diastasis recti and one was called pelvic floor dysfunction. Essentially, that's doctor language for a lot of times after when women have babies, if they laugh, cough, sneeze, jump on a trampoline, they'll accidentally pee their pants a little bit. That's pelvic floor dysfunction. Huh. And a lot of times after you have babies, well, in 100% of cases, your ab muscles separate to make room for the baby. And about 65% of women, your ab muscles don't come back together properly. So you still kind of look pregnant after and um, that's something called diastasis recti. So I was like, gosh, all these people are, and I didn't even write, they were guest blog posts. I didn't even write them. And uh, I said, there's a lot of people 
that sorry i'm going to end the story soon because this will end no, it, you're good. I mean, there's a I don't lot know how many people. pregnant women are listening right now but i think it's super beneficial <laughs> well for everyone the to other hear. thing even if they're guys their wives have but they yeah, exactly. i think the core of the story you can write to is looking at your data and making decisions based off that so for sure what i did is um i had i had owned this other company called dollar workout club we had modeled it after dollar shave club and uh, our good friend drew manning that we're both mutual friends yeah. with he's been on your podcast he uh he and I co-owned it together and we had one workout where I was wearing gray shorts and we never cut when we were filming it. And Drew had written the workout. It was all jumping exercises. And I had completely peed my pants during the workout. It was so embarrassing. Like the beginning was a little tiny dot. And by the end, my butt was just covered. And I wanted to take that video and throw it in the trash. I did not want anybody to ever see that. And we ended up releasing it. Long story short, a doctor, a, gal, a friend of mine who um, had just gotten her PhD in this area was like, Natalie, this can be fixed. And I was really defensive. I was like, uh, you go have two 10 pound babies and then we'll talk, you know? Yeah. And anyways, I listened to her. She put me through a program, completely fixed it. So this all happened kind of at the same time. So I looked at my data. I said, so many women have this issue. I know that this can be fixed. I reached out to the doctor. Um, we wrote a, an ebook. We spent about a month writing the ebook. We launched it about a month later. And within four months, we had sold over a million dollars of this $37 ebook in four Jeez. months. And, um, but the catalyst behind it was me. I had to really have a heart to heart with myself and say, Natalie, are you willing to tell the whole world that you used to pee your pants? Yeah. And we used that video, um, kind of, I guess, as a marketing tool, but just to explain to people, like, I know what this is like. I've been there. And um, so anyways, that's one of the eBooks that we've written to date. We've put uh, over a quarter million women through the eBook programs and um, just really helped a lot of women stop peeing their pants. And it's not just peeing your pants, you know, that's simple language, but there's also pain involved with it and things yeah. like that. So. Wow. That's such an amazing story. I mean, and kudos to you for helping so many women overcome this <laughs> adversity. I know just from my own personal experience, my mom, she pees her pants whenever she laughs so hard. And I'm sure mm -hmm. having three kids, you yeah. know, growing up, we would always just, uh oh, here it comes. The pee but if she had well, your program she probably wouldn't stop yeah. peeing herself and you know i just thought it was a part of motherhood i really did i would joke about it just like most people i didn't realize it could be improved and so that's kind of you know my um that's kind of where we got started and then i started writing a lot of other ebooks because i'm like well this is working so well let's write a whole bunch and what i found and i'm sure you found this too in the health space is that people would come to me because they thought fitness will fix all my problems and while that does improve so many aspects most people were getting stuck on the mindset piece and mm. not being happy and not believing in themselves and being stuck in their um, the stories that they would tell themselves about themselves, which is what I believe is the definition of identity. And so right now, kind of where my heart's at is I love working with people on the mindset piece because no matter whether your issue is you're trying to get your finances in check or you're trying to get your health in check, if you're stuck on the mindset piece, um, it's going to be really hard to see massive change and improvement. So... So true. That is such a crucial point. The mindset is key, guys. All you happy hustlers out there listening, hear Natalie's words. Mindset is everything. You have to have that all-in warrior, warrior-esque mindset in order to accomplish you know, your goals. Whatever you're out there happy hustling for, it doesn't matter if your mind's not right it's going to be very difficult to achieve it. With our personal coaching clients in Biohacking Seekers, just to your point, our first step in every program is getting them to commit to a world championship fight camp. And that date is set 90 days from when they sign up. And we say, this is going to be the fight of your life. Everything you love is riding on this fight. And you're going to prepare and you're going to do every protocol and you're going to eat like everything is riding on this particular fight. And so they have that mindset. Like, oh, man, is this food going to get me closer or further away from, you know, accomplishing my goals come fight date? You know, yeah. so that's the mindset that we bring to our high level coaching clients. And that's the mindset that you guys can bring to everything you want to achieve in life. So great point totally. there, Natalie. Well, I agree. And, you know, the happy hustle is the name of this podcast. And I think that a lot of times for majority of my life, I lived in this place where I thought I it was everybody else's job to make me happy, right? It was my parents' fault that I wasn't happy because we had a crazy childhood or it was, you know, my spouse's fault, my ex-spouse's fault that our marriage was struggling because he was working so hard. And I was unintentionally um, putting a lot, like deflecting and putting a lot of blame on other people. And I think 
for me, a lot of my breakthroughs happened when I came to, and I think I read this in a book somewhere. In fact, if somebody knows, you know, where this was originally said, let me know. Cause I referenced it a lot. I just don't remember where I heard it. <laughs> I read somewhere that, um, you need to be responsible for 80% of the happiness, the love, the validation that you crave from other people. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, if you have a spouse who isn't giving you that, then you still have 80% of what you need. Yep. And if, you know, you have a spouse or a family member or a friend who is giving you part of that or some of that or all of that, then that's just extra bonus and that's extra gravy. And I think for me, once I was able to really... Um, have that insight to recognize it's no it's nobody else's job to make me happy and I have to put the things in place to accomplish that everything else actually got a lot easier because I wasn't living in this like un, this world of unspoken expectations or hidden resentment I took responsibility for that and and then I had the ability to change that you know I kind of one of the things I teach my kids all the time is there's only there's really at the end of the day we think we can control a lot of things we can't. There's two things we have control over at the end of the day, and that's our attitude and our effort. And that's it. Like so everything true. else we think we can control, we can't. And eventually, the older you get or the more things you do, you realize, I'm not in control like I thought I was, you know, but you can control your own attitude and you can control your own effort. And one of the things I believe is that at the end of the day, we nobody can give my children a mother who loves their life except for me. And that's my job and that's my responsibility. And so, um, you know, so I think those are all good sound bites, right? That sounds yeah, good. They were for that. sure. <laughs> but then the next question is, okay, well, how do you actually do that? You know? Mm -hmm. And I think it's easy to say, oh, you need to, you need to make yourself happy. Okay. I get that in theory, but how do you actually do that? And, um, I've kind of come up with this process over the last decade of screwing it up. And I've built this framework that I think works really well for most people in any situation. And it's the complete opposite of what most people teach. So, you know, you Let's get hear most... it. I'm <laughs> so, and you may disagree with me. And if you do, that's fine. And I'd love, you know, I, I don't mind getting challenged ever. So, um, I think a lot of the motivational gurus out there will say, you know, shoot for the moon. Cause even if you miss, you'll hit the stars. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm not, I definitely believe in dreaming big, but I also think there's something to be said about momentum. And a lot of times what will happen is that we'll set these huge goals, right? And, um, which is great. I, I, I mean, I have a huge whiteboard right here with all my big vision boards, but I also think it's really important to scale those down into teeny tiny micro goals, like yep. tiny. I mean, something that you know is achievable and realistic for you at the end of the day. And what I do, I use a simple whiteboard system. Literally, that's it. I have whiteboards all over my house and then make very attainable <laughs> micro goals. And then when you hit them, guess what I do? I take a big red, I think I have a, oh, my kids probably stole it, but I have a big red dry erase marker and I check it off. And that way it's a visual reminder of awesome. I said I was going to do something and I actually did it. And you start to prove to yourself, you start to believe in yourself and then focus on 1% improvement. So I learned that from this book called Atomic Habits. If you guys haven't read that yet, everybody should read it. It changed my life. Atomic Habits? It's by James Clear. I have that right here on my bookshelf. And I mean, in the same way, it was different, but Brene Brown changed my life from a shame and vulnerability perspective. This book changed my life in, in a similar aspect, just in a different realm. And, um, you know, a lot of people will try to change 30% of their habits at once, right? And um, studies have actually proven there's something called habit stacking. So if you try to change too many things all at once, if you try to change just one thing in your life, um, you actually have a 70% chance of that sticking. If you can work on it until it becomes a habit and then you stack the next thing, you add two things that you're trying to change. Statistically, your chances of hitting that, of keeping those as habits goes down to 30%. You try to change three or more things, it goes down to less than 1%. And so instead of focusing on trying to change 30% of your life all at once, what I focus on is I say, look, you're, there's, a power, there's a compounding power of 1% every single day or every single week. But if you try to do 30% like that, what often will happen is you'll fall into what I call the three P's, perfectionism, paralyzation or procrastination, paralyzation. So we try to be perfect and change everything. And then we procrastinate because we can't get it done. And then you feel paralyzed because you're like, ah, I suck. I'm a failure. Right. And, um, one of the things that I had to learn, especially I learned this after my divorce is, um, 
I learned that, and I learned this from Tom Billy, who was one of my big idols and mentors. Yeah, we and, just had FHL. Yeah, I he's talked to him in person. He's amazing. I spoke at Brandon Burchard's uh, influencer event a couple months ago, and he was one of the speakers backstage. Awesome. And I actually got to. He was. He's so. He's so amazing. He filmed a video for my kids. It was really cool. But um, on my phone, but. I became obsessed with the idea of identity and identity. I have this written on a post-it note, a giant post-it note next to my bed. So I see it every day. And identity is the story that you tell yourself about yourself. But the beautiful thing about identity is that it's malleable and you can change that story every single day. And I think a lot of times what people do, what I did for years and years and years is um, I, I didn't recognize that there's a difference between I failed and I'm a failure right? Subtle difference in language, big difference on how it impacts your life. Hmm. And so a lot of times people would screw up and they think, I'm a screw up, right? Or I failed, I'm a failure. And one of the things that I started to become obsessive about is just because I failed doesn't mean I'm a failure. And that I started to implement a few things that really helped. So um, I implemented a good, better, best mentality. So of course, we all want to do the best at whatever we do. Yep. Sometimes life happens and things come up. And so I would give myself per- permission to pivot and reposition. So if I couldn't do better, I would at least do, uh, or if I couldn't do best, I would at least do better. If I couldn't do better, I would focus on good. And what that did is instead of me, I guess a way to think about it is instead of me trying to, you know, I was always the person who was trying to go 20 feet with a 10 foot leash around me. Right. So mm-hmm. I was constantly feeling like I was feeling cause I was trying to do all these things. And I started to, to good, better, best is, okay, um, well, if I can go 10 feet with a 10-foot leash, that's amazing. If I can just go five feet with a 10-foot leash, that's still forward progress. Even if I go one foot with a 10-foot leash, that's better than sitting there feeling stuck and paralyzed and not doing anything at all. And um, I try to implement that with everything, with my eating. You know, say we go out to a family dinner and I'm supposed to stick my meal plan and all of a sudden, you know, we're celebrating a birthday party and yep. I might go into it and, and, and before I show up, I say, okay, if I can't do that, or if I can't do best, what's better that I can do? Maybe I can, you know, cut out white claws or maybe I can cut out, you know, the bun the or whatever claws. it is, whatever it is, right? <laughs> or good is like, okay, I want to have my white claw, but I'm not going to have the chips along with it. And so then what you do yep. is leave that scenario not feeling like a failure because you demanded perfection all the time from yourself, but you're giving yourself a win, right? You're giving yourself momentum and momentum feels good. And the more I'm always thinking in terms of how can I create small wins for myself throughout the day to keep giving me momentum to keep going forward instead of feeling stuck and paralyzed by perfection and then not ever improving at all. So anyway, so, I just talked a whole lot, but no, that was great. <laughs> so well said. I, I mean, I want to unpack some of it for the <laughs> listeners and just go back through because there's so much gold value bombs dropped right there. So the three, the, the, she's choked up because she's so excited about the good stuff that I'm about to recap. And that is the good, better, best mentality is super, super valuable, guys. Even if you can't have, you know, the, the perfect meal for, let's say, going out with a family, you know that you can have a better than than whatever the garbage that is on the fried menu, you could probably get a salad or something. And, you know, if it's not, if there's no salads available, find something that's just above, you know, the garbage food. I don't know. I butchered that yeah. example, but don't you like it. Like, say, say I'm going yeah. out with girlfriends and I know we want to drink wine. I'll go into it and say, okay, I'm going to ask them not to bring the, the bread basket to the table. Cause I know myself, if it's sitting in front of me, I'm going to go oh, yeah. down that bread and honey butter. <laughs> and so I'll say, okay, what's, you know, best would be not having any of it. I know I want to have some wine with girlfriends, so we're gonna we're gonna just pass on even having that temptation in front of us. Something like that. Great, love that. Walk me through the three piece one more time. Yeah, the three piece was so it's perfectionism, procrastination, paralyzation. And I think that oftentimes, especially those of us that are, you know, I am a, a high achiever. I mean, that's just, I'm a, I have a good work ethic. I'm a hard work, a hustler, right? A happy yep. hustler. Oh yeah. And I think a lot of times people with our personality do tend to get stuck in that perfectionism trap. Now I want to be very clear. I'm not saying don't aim big and don't try to get big goals. Don't try to do your best. But what I am saying is that oftentimes we get stuck. I mean, I would say majority of people I coach and work with get stuck. And if I can't be perfect, I'm just going to say, screw it. I'm going to start again on Monday, Mm. right? 
And my thing is you can do, you can really sabotage yourself a lot by, you know, over the weekend, maybe if we're talking diet, if you're sabotaging your diet and you're saying, ah, I'll just start again on Monday. You can really, if you look at like, you know, let's just take calorie intake, for example, you can take in a lot of calories on the weekend. So if you're looking at your week from a total weekly caloric intake, if you're, if you're saying, ah, I just don't even want to look at it because I can't be perfect. So I'm just going to start again. Per- perfect on Monday. Yeah. Well, then what does that look like from uh, on a macro level, you know, your weekly exactly. calories. And so, you know, from a finance perspective, maybe you stuck to a budget and then all of a sudden you are watching your favorite Instagrammer and you're like, oh, I want that cute outfit. I'm going to go buy it. And you've totally blown your budget and you're like, ah, screw it. I'll just start again next month. Well, guess what? If you implement good, better, best, you can say, all right, I bought the outfit I shouldn't have bought, but I'm not going to just say, screw it. I'll start again next month. I'm going to look at, it's the you know 20th of the month, whatever day of the month it is. And I'll be, I'll maintain what I'm trying to hit for the remainder 10 days in the month. And you can still do better. You can still do good without totally blowing everything. Ah, I love that. And guys, really what's important, the key theme throughout what Natalie is saying is building that momentum, that positive momentum, that consistency every single day. I mean, she was talking about habits and how if you really want to improve your life, start with just one habit, changing one habit, positively implementing that action day after day until it becomes a habit, right? Then layering in another one, then layering in another one. And soon, you know, you'll have a positive routine that serves you and your goals. And another thing that you said that I want to just touch on is accountability and taking accountability for your own self-love, your own self-image, your own self-esteem, your identity is super important. Making sure that you guys are taking accountability for your reality and not, you know, worrying about what other people project on you. That's usually just their own insecurities or mirroring, you know, whatever they got going on internally, but you can rise above it. You can find the happiness within yourself, within the hustle, whatever you are out there getting after and really just take accountability for that state that you're in. So I love those takeaways. Um, I want to take it back before we go any further. I want to know a little bit more about your childhood, Natalie. Let's talk about kind of what it was like growing up for Natalie in your first hustle. Oh, man. Okay, so that's a that's a loaded question there. So I think oh, yeah. a lot of times, you know, people look at me and they're like, Natalie, you're so happy all the time. You must have had the most amazing childhood and, you know, you're healthy and you look like you have your stuff together. And the truth is... Um, Uh, My childhood was not, you know, it wasn't um, what most people would expect. And I'll talk about that here in a second. My very first hustle, though, I like telling a story. And I've actually never gotten asked this question on a podcast. So this is fun for me to share this. So, um, and I think this is just some some of us, I think we're just born, like I was born to be a hustler. I mean, that was just... My mom said I came out of the womb hustling, you know, oh, and, uh, and milk. <laughs> yeah. so when I was, uh, a, I was eight years old. So I have a 10 year old now. So I look back at when he was eight and I'm like, gosh, I can't believe I was doing that. But I was really tall for my age. I was really tall. So most people thought I was older and I lied. And I said I was 12 years old and I went and I got a paper route when I was eight. So I'd wake nice. up every morning at five 30 in the morning. They'd drop a stack of, you know, flat newspapers on our doorstep. I'd wake up, I'd fold them up, I'd put them in the back of my mom had a bike with like a kid, a bike trailer that you put kids in behind. I'd load that up with newspapers and every single morning before school, unless if it was raining, my mom would help me, but it was me. And I'd go out there and I'd throw those newspapers out and I'd deliver Heck newspapers. Yeah. And I always worked, you know, um, when I was 15, I worked at you know, Subway. They loved it because I wasn't like, I think I was 14 after. I wasn't like in my, you know, wanting to hang out with friends, teenage kind of years yet. So I worked hard in high school. I had three jobs. In college, I had three jobs. But um, yeah, Me too. Yeah. And I actually am so grateful for that. In fact, I, I wrestle a lot with um, even my own children. Like I don't just, you know, I'm pretty strict with them and I don't just hand them whatever they want. But by default, they're growing up completely different than I grew up. And, you know, I wrestle with how do you teach your kids not to feel entitled when they, you know, they have a nice house to grow up and they have food in the fridge. And, mm-hmm. and I don't always have the answers to that. But to answer your other question, um, so I feel like so I'm the oldest of 10 kids. So I have five brothers. Jeez. I got four sisters. Yeah, it's crazy. I remember you tell me that. It's mm-hmm. so crazy. So we, and that's part of why I love outdoors. You know, we grew up hunting and fishing and all that kind of stuff. But um, 
and that's, I have it in my backyard here, actually. I have a huge garden, and I this year I planted 13 fruit trees. In Idaho, right? Mm-hmm. I'm in Idaho, yeah. an awesome so place in Idaho. I love the, I actually always joke I'm a secret prepper, but I'm, like, not joking. Like, really, I think it's cool to have skills, like survival skills. And by prepper, she means ready for whatever zombie attack, Yeah, guys. like a doomsday. So <laughs> doomsday. if zombies attack, you guys know where to come. <laughs> yeah, hey, me too. I'll be in Montana <laughs> hiding in my bunker. Yeah. Um... <laughs> And so I always, you know, I feel like I always need to preface this by saying, um, you know, my mom, the goodness, the kindness in me that people are drawn to, that comes from her, hands down, 100%. Um, you could, my mom is the kind of person, you could be in a room with 100 people and all 100 people would just be flocked around her because she has this ability to make you feel loved and seen. Um, but her perception of reality isn't reality. And so growing up, she was um, in and out of prison for most of my childhood. And it was all pretty much money-related things. You know, she would try to save the world and, you know, start these or nonprofits and she'd take money and use it the wrong way. And um, and then when I was 19, um, she actually, my mom and I look a lot alike. So if you were to look at a picture of her at my age 34, it's like we could be twins. And she actually took my identity and wrote like $30,000 in bad text in my name. And so um, that was a, you know, it was a hard time for me during that time in my life. I felt a lot of guilt and responsibility. I felt, um, logically, I knew I hadn't done anything wrong, but emotionally, I felt like my testimony was going to take my brother's and sister's mom away from them. And, um, but there's kind of a cool silver lining if you're okay with me sharing a quick story. So, um, and I think this experience really shaped, I didn't know it at the time, but it shaped my whole life and even like how I run my business now. So, um, I remember, you know, when that happened, it was about a year back and forth and attorneys and things like that. And, um, at the sentencing, I I was sitting in the back of the room and just, you know, I was 19 silent tears just running down my face. And I remember the judge, um, looked, she looked straight at me and then she looked straight at my mom sitting in the front of the courtroom. And she was, she just looked really torn. And she said, you know, um, Lisa, my mom, she said, I really could and should give you the maximum penalty, the 25 years for this, um, based on your past history. You know, you've taken advantage of other people in the past, but this time it was your daughter. And she said, but I'm not going to. And the reason is because of your daughter. I don't want her to feel like the rest of her life she sent her mother to prison. And so she ended up sentencing her for six years at the state penitentiary here in Idaho. So I was in college. I was on cross-country and track scholarship. And every single Sunday we had a day off. I was running about 80 miles a week back then, but Sundays were our day off. So I drive the two hours down to the state penitentiary here in uh, in Pocatello, Idaho, and um, I'd go visit her. And, you know, the first couple months, it was kind of weird. We had our stuff we had to work through. Um, And, you know, I think people listening, probably all of us have had some experience where we've had a toxic family member that has hurt us in some way, right? Mm -hmm. And it hurts, you know, but I also think, um, one of my, one of the things I learned, so I would go down and I go to the prison and what happened is I started to really get to know all the women down there and it actually became kind of fun, you know? And one of the things that I learned, and this is something that I believe in my core, of course, is that I don't believe anybody is entirely good or entirely bad on either end of the spectrum. I think there's really good people that have just made some mistakes. And I think Mm -hmm. all of us have a story. Every single one of us listening to this right now has a story. And so when I was down there, um, these women would tell me, you know, all these crazy stories and it was fun. You know, I was hearing things I'd never heard. I was this naive little 19 year old girl. And um, there was this one woman in particular and her name was Cheryl. And I will never forget Cheryl till the day I die. And she was like crazy. I mean, she was in there for like drugs and prostitution and she would just, she was really um, outgoing. She'd tell me all these crazy details and her stories. I'm like, Cheryl, I don't need to hear this. Why are you telling me this? And finally one day I was like, you know, Cheryl, why do you tell me all your stories? And I'll never forget what she said. She said, uh, you know what, Natalie? She goes, nobody comes to visit me anymore. My kids stopped visiting me. My sister quit visiting me two years ago. And she said, these women in here are all I have. And when I share my stories, I feel less alone. 
And I will never forget that because I actually think that's kind of the core of how I've built my whole business is that, um, you know, I believe, and this is kind of gleaned from Brene Brown, but once you own your stories, those stories no longer have power over you. And I believe that, especially if you're building a business, if you're um, more of like an influencer, if you want to have any kind of influence, if you want to, and influence is power, right? Whether we want to say it that way or not, influence is power. But this is power in the best way possible because what it does, so what I did is I kind of geeked out a couple years ago. I started to question, you know, how come when I'm real, when I'm sharing like this real stuff, another word to say that is vulnerable, how come it's working? So I am like the science part person in me. I geeked out. I probably have read every research paper out there about vulnerability. And what I started to learn is that, um, there's a link between vulnerability and shame and they're like oil and water. And, mm. The more, typically, the more vulnerable you are, the less shame you feel about that topic or that area. And on the flip side, the more shame you feel, the less willing you you can, you're, you're willing to be vulnerable. So then I was like, well, I was like, okay, well, let's geek out. What's shame? What, you know, so I geeked out on the research of shame. And I started to learn that um, the definition of shame is the belief that you're not good enough and you're not capable of change. Hmm. And so I started to realize, and one thing that was so cool for me and so powerful, and this is what I hope, you know, I always try to to, to share this with everybody because when you get it, it's the most freeing, powerful feeling in the world. Mm. So what I started to realize is one, once I shared, when I started sharing my stories, it became, it made me more relatable and not just this perfect influencer online, but people started to realize, whoa, this girl gets me and I can trust her. And when people trust you, they'll buy from you. But the coolest part about it was that I started infusing vulnerability into my, um, into my products, into my messaging. And what I started to realize is that, remember, vulnerability and shame can't survive together. So the more vulnerable I was willing to be, the less shame people felt hearing my stories or going through my programs. And what's so cool is knowing, right, the definition of shame is the belief that you're not good enough and you're not capable of change. So by me creating these products where I was real and talked about all the things, I was subconsciously helping my audience believe that they are good enough, that they are capable of pain. And that's when I believe we can change the world, is when we really can attack that. And I believe that a lot of times when people feel stuck, there's always a ceiling in any area that you feel shame. And, you know, I have a I have this 21-day challenge, and people are always surprised where on day three, I, pro- I bring up the topic of shame. And um, I ask people to really talk about their shameful experiences because what happens is a lot of times we associate, you know, there's a difference, like I said, between I failed and I'm a failure. And a lot of times we have a lot of shame over past failures or current failures. And until we address that, you're always going to hit a ceiling and you're never going to be able to move past that. I believe that. I've seen it happen over hundreds and thousands of times. Um, But it's something that not a lot of people talk about and it definitely doesn't feel comfortable in the moment when you're the one uh, addressing it. (laughs) Scary, but I mean, so well said and so powerful, guys. If you're listening to this and you're getting a little, you know, nervous thinking about sharing your shameful experiences or your vulnerability. Good. That's supposed to be, you know, that feeling where you are really scared to share this truth, but that's where the power comes for. That's where you release the shackles of shame. As you said, you know, previously, this is so powerful. This exercise, this exercise of just embracing your vulnerability And then being able to just release the shame that whatever story and self-limiting beliefs that you tell yourself that's holding you back and being able to step into your full power. And then you'll connect, right, with your true tribe, people who actually resonate and like you or love you for who you actually are. Then you don't have to be anyone but yourself. So well said. And and I truly appreciate that message from you. I want to talk about some tangible happy hustle acts if it's cool with you. I always like to get the listeners some you know some tangible take-homes and the first one i want to do is you know with your health because obviously you're big into health and fitness that that's really a a crucial part of your life what's a happy hustle hack that you use for your health to keep you you know sharp and and at your your peak So one of the things that, and it kind of goes back to that good, better, best mentality. So I have gone through lots of different phases in my life where, you know, I was a 
competitive collegiate athlete. Then I had kids and my whole world changed. And then I was almost borderline obsessive. I was working out way too much probably. Um, And now I feel like I'm in a really good, happy medium place where I give myself permission. You know, if I don't have time to go do a full hour, two hour, whatever that looks like for you, um, I implement good, better, best. So I say, okay, look at looking at my schedule today, right? We're all super busy. Like I'm a crazy busy entrepreneur and I'm raising two kids, single mom. And so sometimes I just don't have time to really go do a full workout. So I give myself permission to scale back a little bit on that day and at least get my movement in, right? Good, better, best. So even if that means doing a, you know, a couple short Tabata workouts, which is, if if you're not familiar with that word, it's 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off, 20 Mm -hmm. seconds on, 10 seconds off. In my living room, something is better than nothing, right? Yep. And done is better than perfect. Yep. Um, even if that means we take, I throw my kids on their bicycles and we just go for a bike, a bike ride around the block, or yep. um, we try to instead of if I have to go pick something up, you know, a gallon of milk, we walk to Walgreens instead of driving because it's a half a block away. Little things like that, just trying to get movement in, because mm-hmm. I think you know. Walking is really underrated and getting movement in is underrated. And a lot of us are very sedentary in our jobs. And so, um, you know, I aim for my five workouts a week, but if that doesn't happen, I give myself permission to scale back and just remember something is better than nothing. Cause if yep. you stay stuck and have to have the perfect workout all the time, then you're really not going to make any progress at all. So even little progress is better than no progress. So true. Something is better than nothing, guys. Make sure you're getting a sweat on every day or at least moving your body, going outside and getting some movement. Super powerful. The other thing that I'll add here too is that um, as an entrepreneur or as a business person, my best ideas almost always come during a workout. And so for me, sometimes it's like, I don't want to work out, right? And um, I have to, like, sometimes I have to trick my brain and remind myself, well, maybe I'll get the next million dollar idea during my workout, you know? And um, the other thing I do is I have anchors too. So I have things like playlists that will get me into a good state, or I have photographs on my phone, or I have, I actually have like, post-it notes all over my house with affirmations, you know. And you have a badass gym in your garage, which I I worked out at, which is awesome. Yeah, I do, which is really, I'm lucky there. I built, you know, what happened is I was really hardcore in the fitness space for a while and the gyms, commercial gyms wouldn't let me film in their gyms. I kept getting kicked out. And so finally I said, screw that. I'm just going to build my own gym in my garage. I'll show you. (laughs) Yeah. I just turned the third garage port into a gym with rogue stuff. Awesome. I want to you mentioned entrepreneurship. I want to touch on it real quick about a happy hustle hack that you use to continue to grow your business. Maybe for someone who's out there listening, who wants to start a business, what's mm-hmm. some tangible takeaway that you can use that's helped you in your journey? So I think for me, you know, I said this earlier, I'm not that good at that many things. I'm really not. I know a lot of people look at me and they're like, Natalie, you do all this stuff. And so for me, I think what I tell people to do is Take a look at what are people naturally coming to you right now anyways? Like, what are the questions people are already asking you about? For me, I wasn't an expert on diastasis recti, this weird word I couldn't even pronounce for a long time, but I've become the expert in that field because I recognize two things. One, I've made data-driven decisions, so I look at what people were already coming to me for, and then I looked to other people I could partner with to find solutions. So, for example, I've worked with people who... Uh, I had one gal that I worked with and she was like, well, I don't know what kind of products to create, Natalie. I'm not good at anything. I was like, well, welcome to the club. Cause I'm not good at that many things. Right? Either. <laughs> and I said, well, what are people, what, like when your girlfriends come over, what are questions they ask you about? And she was like, well, I'm really good at organizing pantries. And I was like, bingo. I said, guess what? There's so many people out there that suck at that kind of oh, stuff. I need myself help. included. If you looked at my pantry right now, you'd be mortified. I said, so if <laughs> thankfully my together, girlfriend's great at it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I need one of those. I mean, not a, girl, not a girlfriend, but you know. I hear you. And um, <laughs> I didn't mean to go that route. But uh, <laughs> and I said, if you can put together an easy system and you just take what you actually do, put it into a system other people can follow, you have a digital product that you could create. I said, um, I have other people who, uh, another mom who, for whatever, somehow she's figured out how to have good mornings. Well, those of us with kids, like my mornings can sometimes feel chaotic. Mm. And so she put together the the five minute perfect morning system and she sells that. So I think for a lot of people, we think we need to have this like shark tank idea that's going to have all these investors. 
And I say, first, start with what you have, where you're at right now, and take a look at what people are naturally coming to you and start thinking, how can you create a product around that? You know, I'm a huge fan of digital products because they require very little overhead. Yep. So start thinking in terms of like maybe an ebook or a membership site or a course that you could create and just start, um, you know, giving value too. That's one of the things I tell people is about 80% of the stuff I put out is just really free, good quality content. And then I charge for about 20% of it. Yeah. Um, and then That's secondly, crucial right there. The great point. 100% because people, you know, they're not going to trust you if you're just charging. They're like, well, why would I pay? Yeah. I don't even know what you're about, you know? Yep. Um, the other thing is really, really has impacted my life more than anything is finding good mentors and learning how to model them. So changing the thoughts in your head from why questions to how questions. So instead of saying, why do I suck at this? Why can't I figure this out? Why can't I get this done? Turn it to who has already done the things that I want to be doing and how can I model them? Mm-hmm. So we both have a similar business mentor, Russell Brunson. Um, that's really what I knew nothing about internet marketing when I first started. I mean, really, I didn't even, I'd never collected a single email address. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I was a history major in college. And I just happened to get this one book called Welcome Secrets. And I started reading it and I thought, these are real secrets. Why is he putting this in the book? <laughs> and I obsessively started to um, in t- take in his content. And then eventually, you know, I paid to be a part of his mastermind group. But um, Tom Bilyeu is another one of those people who for a long time, actually, I called those three, Russell Brunson, none of them knew who I was, by the way, I was just a, you know, fangirl, Russell yeah. Brunson, Tom Bilyeu, Brene Brown, I called them in my head, my Avenger team, because they were three people who I wanted to be like, um, yep. Russell from a marketing perspective, Tom Bilyeu from a mindset perspective, and Brene Brown from a vulnerability perspective. And I, tuned out everybody else. And I only listened to those three and I would obsess literally listen to their podcasts, take in their content, buy their books. And I started to implement and take action, even if it was imperfect action. And I think, you know, sometimes when people hear that advice, you can take it the wrong way and you can start to say, well, I'm going to follow everybody. Right. Yeah. And you can overwhelm yourself by picking too many mentors, but pick a handful and follow them and model them and not copy, right. But model in your own way, in your own style. And, um, that has been key to my success is finding good mentors and modeling. So well said unpacking that for you guys out there listening, because there was more value bombs dropped. She's just (laughs) tossing them all over the place, (laughs) really delivering 80% value for free to your customers, to your tribe, to your people. Share your message, guys. Get it out there. And then charge for that 20%. But giving your value away will build that know, like, and trust. And it's essential for business. And then the other thing that I really loved was your Avengers team, picking just a handful of mentors, people that you associate with that are in a place that you want to be and model them, learn from them, and then quiet all the other noise because there's tons of noise out there. Everyone's got Mm -hmm. the get rich quick scheme or the next great idea or the business idea, this and that. You can really get overwhelmed if you don't just pick, you know, who you want to be like or model after and then learn from those people and then just, you know, reverse engineer the process. So great takeaways there. You mentioned spirituality briefly, Mm-hmm. Or at least, you know, with Brene Brown, I know she's very spiritual. Yeah. So let's talk about it real quick. A happy hustle hack that you use for your spirituality and just, you know, maybe not one God or another, but just, you know, a higher power. Yeah. So for me, I always say um, the mountains are my church and uh and I'm religious, but we don't actually make it to church that often. Usually what I do is, and this is crucial for me, I know not everybody's this way, but for me, when I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm feeling stressed out, I connect with nature. And I think nature has a way of a couple things. One, reminding us that there's seasons, right? There, You might have a season where things feel overwhelming and busy, and there's a lot of rain, like, so to speak in your life. Well, that rain, guess what? That's spring. And then all of a sudden the flowers come and then it feels really hot and you're, you know, you're, you're hot in your business and all this stuff's going on or your things are taking off. You're hot. Right. And then all of a sudden the leaves start to fall and maybe things are slowing down a little bit and to recognize that seasons happen for a reason and it's preparing you for the next season. Um, and you know, that everything works together as an ecosystem, you know, the, snow falls. So then in the spring, we can have, you know, runoff into the creeks and that go into the rivers that feed the oceans. And for me, when I go into nature, um, I'm reminded of the simple, 
the simple beauty of what we have, you know, and it allows me to feel a lot of gratitude. Um, you know, I think a lot of times life can get so busy, right? We forget to pay attention to the little things. When I disconnect and go into nature where I don't have cell phone service, I'm reminded like there's so much beauty around us that we just dismiss, we take for granted, you know, and sometimes having that stillness, that quietness, um, it just resets me and reconnects me and helps me. I always come back from the mountains feeling ready to work hard and more connected. And maybe the mountains aren't your place. Like some people love the ocean, right? Or some people mm-hmm. love whatever. The mountains are, are my place. But um, that's, you know, for me is when I feel the most in tune with nature, with God, with the universe is when I really take some time to uh, to experience nature. Now, a lot of people come to me and they're like, well, Natalie, I'm a you know, especially women, right? Mm-hmm. How did you get the courage to go out by yourself into the mountains? And I think part of that is just how I grew up. But the other thing is try it. Just just like go out there and just explore. And maybe you, you know, your first thing won't be an overnight trek like I do, but maybe you just go for a hike in a in a place you've never um like there I have all kinds of hiking guidebooks that I just buy and I don't know where I'm going. I just follow the guidebook and you, know, you yep. figure it out as as you go, and so I think sometimes doing things that you've never done before um, feel scary as you're preparing for them, but afterwards, those are usually the things you like are happiest that you did the most. You know, for sure, pushing past that fear. I mean, I love that connecting with nature, guys. That's such a powerful way to just tap into your own spirituality, to tap into the gratitude for Mother Earth, and I love the seasons aspect. I know we. I was just at a business master with Tony Robbins, and he he went through this whole season's, um, you know, mentality and how winter is coming for everyone. It, it comes, you know, usually once a year uh, in some capacity, but there's seasons and ebbs and flows to everything in life. So realize what season you're in, which one's coming. And usually if you're smart, winter is where you'll make the most money because everyone else will be just buckled down and, and trying to conserve like in 2008, right? That was winter when the, when the recession hit that just wiped everyone out and the people who were smart and were prepared they invested when everyone else was afraid and that's what you guys can do is you can happy hustle in those winter times and be prepared for those seasons so and i love that you know me growing up in montana nature is is my church just as much and i love going on two three week camp trips at a time where i don't see another soul and Mm -hmm. maybe you know my brother will come with me but we'll go out there fly fish you know get our own food I mean, sit up around the campfire, howl at the moon. Oh, just oh yeah! You know, tap into our our true essence as a human being. So, love those. Last happy hustle hack, and then we're gonna dive into the rapid fire round. Then we're gonna wrap this bad boy up. All right, <laughs> happy hustle hack for your money, because I know you only had three months rent in your account at one point, and now you got a a bunch more. What's a way <laughs> that you keep it and? save it and spend it and do it most effectively that maybe, you know, the happy hustlers out there can benefit from. For sure. So I think one of the best things that I did is I did invest in myself, right? I found mastermind groups I wanted to be a part of. I could wholeheartedly say that I 10x my return on those. It was scary though, um, spending that kind of money. And I didn't do it until I was in a place where I could really afford it. Um, the other thing is I, you know, at one point we were $170,000 in student loan debt years ago. We used the Dave Ramsey's system to get out of that. Um, I still consider myself a saver, not a spender. And I think that's wise. I think a lot of times when you start making a lot of money, you know, in my case, it would dollar amounts I had never seen before. I mean, if you would have told me this five years ago, I would have thought you were crazy. I mean, I would have said, oh, that sounds too good to be true. Um, and so for me, um, I still make you know, I still, it's important for me to just live on a modest lifestyle salary. I think, you know, I bought a house, I bought a pickup. And other than that, I live on not that crazy of a budget. And I am, um, I think the number one tip, I guess, hack is I think you always need to know your numbers. So you always need to know every single month I do a review of my business numbers and my personal numbers. And I set goals for myself on like what my savings goals are going to be. And then this is a little trick. And I'm not saying this works for everybody, but this works well for me. Um, So I have multiple accounts. 
my personal checking account, I don't like to leave very much money in there because for whatever reason, it keeps me hungry. Like I like feeling like I'm still that broke college kid, you know? And so I don't keep more than, you know, a thousand dollars more than what I need for my bills and things in that account. Cause I know myself, if I saw a big dollar amount there, every time I pulled up my app, I would be like, Oh, I'm just going to go buy this or go buy mm-hmm. that. And, um, you know, and maybe this will change the longer I have my business, but a lot of the wealth that I've come into has happened fairly quickly. And so I just want to make sure that I'm cautious with where I'm spending my money, that I'm setting my myself up. So if something ever were to happen, I could still provide. I never want to feel that shame feeling again of, I can't provide for my kids. And so the other thing I do is um, I make smart investments and I don't put all my money in one place. So I don't like to have all my eggs in one basket, you know, and I don't trust my, all of my investments with one financial advisor or anything like that. But I think when you're first getting started, um, you know, it's easy to think, oh, I got I have to buy this and I have to buy that and I have to buy this. Maybe you'd be surprised at how you really can get started on a fairly shoestring budget. You know, I had my phone that I would film most of my videos on. I would just figure out how to get good light, natural lighting. And I would edit a lot of things myself. I'd find, um, you know, college kids that needed some extra work that could do a lot of my editing and things like that. So I wasn't paying, you know, out the, out, out the leg. And I still, I mean, I still like, I'm a saver, not a spender. So, um, those are great. That might be completely opposite than what a lot of other people say, but no, for me, um, I like to live, you know, cautiously and, and I always am trying to be aware of, you know, uh, I think a lot of times when people start making a lot more money, they start spending a lot more money. And, you know, part of my mindset too is how do I want to raise my kids and not do I want them seeing this lavish lifestyle and I don't. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that's part of my motivation too, but yeah, you know, just always be prepared because, what if something were to turn in the economy or the online world and all of a sudden we didn't have the revenue coming in that we did? I want to make sure I have a bankroll so we can, you know, make the decisions we have to make instead of doing it from a scarcity place. Yeah, so well said. Guys, I love that one that Natalie just said about creating a separate account so you stay hungry. So you you, you always want to live in that abundant state, yes, but also having creating, you know, triggers to to push you to keep growing, know your numbers, know your budget, make sure that you're out there, you know, not spending more than you're saving. I I have an app that just automatically takes called Acorns right from my account every single month and every single purchase, it takes a percentage. So it just goes right to an account. And that's just a a little, you know, happy hustle hack that you guys can use. It's technology these days is making it easier than ever to invest in companies. You know, I have stocks that I've invested in. Thankfully, I bought in on Tesla at the right time because now it's skyrocketed you know i rode elon all the way to the yeah i'm not even finished yet but (laughs) i'm gonna continue to make smart investments and as is natalie but she's not gonna put all her eggs in one basket right so that's what's important make sure you're saving not spending and knowing your numbers Natalie, real quick, let's go through the rapid fire round where basically you just answer honestly first things that comes to mind. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Favorite movie. Go. Uh, Braveheart. Favorite food. Uh, Pizza. Favorite book. Uh, Daring Greatly, Bernie Brown. What's your spirit animal? A lion. Oh, best business advice. Uh, Imperfect action is better than no action at all. Boom. Love it. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Um, I would love the ability to read minds. Ooh. One word you wish to be synonymous with your name for the rest of your life. Mm, kind. Ooh. Three things you're most grateful for. Mm, my children, uh, my job. I love this business that I built and uh, living in Idaho. <laughs> I Woo! love Idaho. Yeah, go Idaho. And those were great. You crushed that rapid fire round. Natalie, where can the happy hustlers out there go to find out more about you, your website, maybe even the challenge? Where can people go to, you know, follow you online? Give us some, some links. So pretty much across the board, it's Natalie Hodson and that's H O D as in David S O N as in Nancy. We get Hudson or Hobson, but it's Hodson. Um, so on Instagram, Natalie Hodson one on Facebook, Natalie Hodson official. And then we do have our 21 day challenge that we do every month. I'm active in the groups and, um, that's challenge.nataliehodson.com. And we have, yeah, we've had thousands of testimonials of people who've come out of that feeling unstuck, ready to rewrite their story. Wow. Awesome. So that link is challenge.nataliehodson with a D 
Com. We'll link it up in the show notes as well. You and you if you guys, go to my Instagram, if you click on my link tree, it's all that is all in there. Too. You guys should be following her on Insta and online because she drops tons of vulnerable value nonstop. Natalie, so great hanging out with you. I just want to acknowledge you for just showing up in the world as your true self and being vulnerable and sharing your message in love and light with the world. Last question. What does happy hustling mean to you? To me, I think that means not being afraid to take action, not being afraid to work hard, to believe, to, to accept that it's okay to believe the things that you believe and think the way that you think, and then to find joy in the process, to find the silver linings along the way um, that keep you loving what you do. Because if you don't love what you do, you're going to get burned out really, really quickly and really easily. So putting in the work and taking action over and over and over again, but loving it enough to know that when you fail, you can pick yourself up, bust your knees off, pivot, reposition, and try again. Boom. Mic drop. Thank you so much, Natalie, for hanging out. It has been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much, Carrie. This is awesome. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Happy Hustle Podcast. I truly am so grateful that you took the time out of your busy day to spend time with me. Now, if you got any value from this episode or any episodes in the past, it would mean the world to me if you could please leave a five-star review and share this episode with your friends so we can continue to spread this message. Guys, as always, it's been a blast. Now go out there and happy hustle for your dream reality. Yeah.